Well, good day and welcome to Holding Fast. How is your anchor holding today as it gripped solidly and firmly to the unshakable Word of God? Great to welcome you. Thanks for tuning in and allowing me into your day. And I'm seated here. I've got my coffee and my Bible is open. Opportunity to meditate on the Word of God in preparation for the upcoming Lord's Day, of which, of course, I'm assuming you're planning on being in the house of God to be able to worship Him and uh, to get up and to go. After all He's done for us, it seems like a very small thing to come and to give Him that time on the Lord's Day. So we encourage you to be there. Well, I want to resume our uh, investigation of the letter of First John written to those who have already believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to give them uh, a dominating theme in your mind regarding uh, why Christ came. And I have been sharing with you five reasons that the Apostle John mentioned on, re- on why Jesus came to this earth. Of course, it's during this time of the year that our focus goes to that. Uh, matter of fact, uh, a prayer meeting uh, uh, tonight, I'll be speaking at my church regarding the thought life of of the Virgin Mary and how God used her and what was going on in her mind. The Bible tells us that she pondered these things in her heart when it was revealed to her what God was about to do through her under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And I've often wondered about that phrase, and I'll be meditating on that with my church family uh, on Wednesday evening, but I am taking this time to look at what First John has to say. Uh, we've noted so far that John five times has talked about how Jesus came to be our sin bearer. We noted that he says that he came to destroy the works of the devil, and then he also came to give us eternal life. And then as we continue through the book itself in First John chapter 4 verse 10, Right after he revealed that Christ was coming to provide eternal life, he tells the nuts and bolts of how that's going to happen. And I think it's important that John, uh, it's important for us to notice that John spent time talking about this because one of the questions I often get uh, from people when I introduce them to the good news about Christ is well, I understand I'm a sinner. But why can't God just ignore that? Why can't he just sweep it under the rug? If he's God, why can't he just uh, pretend that that didn't happen or that it didn't exist? Uh, the biggest problem with that particular statement is that it would violate the very character of God. He could not be God and ignore sin. Uh, we need to understand today, you need to understand that when I sin, when you sin, you actually incur a sin debt uh, against God that you owe him, that he cannot simply ignore this because one of God's basic attributes is that he is absolutely just. He is absolutely free from sin. Uh, He uh, could no more ignore our sin than he would actually not be God if he could do so. Uh, sin must be atoned for. It must be covered. It must be removed and dismissed if we're to have any fellowship with him. So because God is everywhere, he's uh, uh, omnipresent, he could never totally ignore the, the wrong that I have committed. And I don't think people really grasp that these days about the entire and absolute perfection, holiness, and blamelessness of the creator of this universe, that he absolutely has no shadow of 
of uh, anything that is perverse about him, and he could never ignore it because his wisdom searches the entire world. Now let that hit you right in the in the heart just for a moment and meditate on that. Uh, we do know that Psalm 139 tells us that uh, where shall I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall your hand lead me and your right hand shall uphold me. If I say, surely darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness as as the light with you. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah twenty three twenty three, he said, Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? And so there is no way that we can escape from the observable uh, eyes of God that he sees and knows all things. So God could never just ignore our sin. He could never just sweep it away like it never happened. There has to be something done to atone, to cover that sin. And therefore, that's why God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world. First John 4.10, the Bible says, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is an important passage of scripture. Uh, it, is, it is one that these words are simply saying that the Lord Jesus not only came to take away our sins, we notice that, that he's our sin bearer earlier in the book, but that because he did that, by offering himself as a sacrifice for sin. He, he entirely vindicated the holy and righteous character of God. That verse says he's the propitiation. That's not a word that we use a great deal, but it literally means the satisfaction. Christ came and, uh, and was the satisfaction of God's holiness and justice. That's what enables him to be merciful to the sinner. First uh, John one nine we often quote, uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and what? It he's faithful and just. The word just there means he's well within his authority. He's well within his right. In other words, there is a means by which he can declare you to be forgiven all of your sin, and it's because the price has been paid for our sin. God is righteously angry with our sinfulness. He's righteously angry at what I do wrong. But when I look up the, in the Bible in Psalm chapter 7, or Psalm, the seventh Psalm and verse 11, it says this, and it's a sobering passage of scripture. God judgeth the righteous and God is angry with the wicked every day. Boy, I'm going to tell you, that's not an enviable position to be in, to be an object of God's anger, uh, to be constantly under his frown. Uh, listen, folks, his holy and righteous nature demands that sin be punished. And the good news of the gospel is made up in the fact that sin has been punished in the person of our substitute. 
who bore our sins in his body on the cross of Calvary. And therefore we can say, as the psalmist did in Psalm 103.10, He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. The Lord Jesus came to this earth in order to settle once and for all the, the sin question in our lives. And because your trust is in Him, you're safe and secure. What a wonderful assurance. Then I want to end this on this podcast uh, series by pointing to one last passage in 1 John chapter 4 on the fifth reason why Christ had to come to this world. He says in John, uh, 1 John 4 and verse 14, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Now, that's the glorious note that I want to conclude on. Jesus is the Savior of the world. The work of salvation that He accomplished on that cross is adequate for all people everywhere. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. Don't care what you've done. Don't care what language you speak. Don't care what color your skin is. All of that is irrelevant. There is one human race, And Jesus Christ is the Savior of those who will look to Him in faith, those who believe on His name and receive His gift of salvation. He is the Savior of the world, a universal Savior. That doesn't mean that everybody's going to be saved, but it does mean that nobody is exempt or cut off from being saved. The message given to the shepherds on that first Christmas day is still true. You look in Luke chapter 2 and verse 10. The angel literally says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Did you hear that passage? Which shall be to all people, not just the Jews, but to everybody. Uh, And again, that doesn't mean everybody's going to be saved, but it does mean that everybody is savable. Uh, that it's available and provided as long as you believe and receive. Jesus is the only Savior. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And He's able to save all who would come to Him. Have you come to Him today? Is He your Savior? Have you surrendered to Him? This is not a matter of choosing a hobby or tacking a little Jesus onto the end of your life. This is a matter of absolute surrender and receiving of a forgiveness without which you cannot see Christ in heaven. God bless you today. Why don't you rejoice and and praise God today for what He's done for you.